Thanks for listening to the show, everybody. Ray is coming right up, but with such a limited time in which to enjoy a watercraft, and I know it's January up there in Canada. But still, don't waste any of it worrying about how to protect your property in the event of an accident or a theft. Let Wyatt Dowling ensure you're properly covered. Leave your worries at the door. All points marine coverage for your watercraft, including winterization going on right now. And it covers the freezing and vermin coverage, emergency towing, loss of use, water ski, wakeboard liability included, three-year new model replacement, allpointsinsurance.ca. Take care of your watercraft, and it will take care of you people. Thanks for listening. On to the show. A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading it. Thank you for getting it on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever you get podcasts from. Uh, really appreciate the rankings and the reviews and everything else. Things are going well. And thanks, everybody. PulpHockey.com, of course. Uh, my name's Steve Mathis, but I'm not the guy you really want to hear from. On the line with me, former NHLer, TSN lead color analyst, former Whaler, Ray Ferrara. What's up, Ray? Uh, just back in Vancouver, came uh, flew early this morning from uh, today's uh, what's today Wednesday. Wednesday, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Flew uh, early from Ottawa, so I get back to the airport in Vancouver. Good flight, got mm-hmm. lots of work done, lots of prep done for the Olympics, and which I leave on Saturday. And uh, so I get into the parking garage. I'm on the top floor. I'm leaving, and this guy comes driving up the exit. <laughs> it's like it's like a ramp, yeah, right? Yeah. I've I've never I, I've lived in Vancouver for fifteen years, sixteen years. I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how he got to the position to be driving up the ramp. As I was driving out, I was looking. I'm like, there's no way <laughs> to get there. Like, you can't do it. Right. He, but he did. It was miraculous. So I came around the, you know, the last row of cars. I turned to get on. Mm-hmm. And this guy is like, he's right in the middle, too. He's uh, Clearly, he's got no idea where he is. He's lost. So I kind of toot my horn at him. Like, yeah. you can't look around for where you need to go there. Like, you got to go somewhere else <laughs> yeah. to figure out where you are. Finish the and job, right. Yeah. Me, and he just kind of gave me, like, the palms up. Like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like... Well, move over there so, like, the 12 yeah. cars can leave out the exit. Oh. So, yeah, so that was interesting. Yeah. But, um, is is it one of those, uh, like, in Vegas here, we have the roundy rounds. We just go round and round and round to get up or down? Is it uh, one? Not, that one, it's not anywhere near as big as that. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this, But this one is, so it's the top level, so you can get to the top level outside. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Right, like yeah. up, up one long kind of uh, yeah. a big C ramp. And... Honestly, I don't know how he got there. I I wish I had more time. I would have liked to ask him, how did you do that? <laughs> the, the best would have been if he was in a smart car. That would have been just topped it all. It would have gone in the smart well, car. <laughs> and then he would say, well, you're not. <laughs> exactly. Even though you're driving one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, that's, uh, that's good. Um, hey, so let's talk about the two games you just did. We'll touch on Gary Bettman, 25 years. We'll touch on take some questions from people on Twitter. And, uh, and kind of go around the NHL in what we think is going to be our last show. You're going to be jam-packed over in South Korea. I almost said North Korea. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Yeah, I'm not going there. <laughs> no, right. You're going to be jam-packed. I mean, that's the goal anyway. <laughs> right. If you, end up, if you and uh, Chris end up in North Korea, things have gone really bad. Uh, neither Chris nor I are known for our navigational skills. Right. <laughs> so if somebody else opens up the broadcast... Uh, for Olympic men's hockey in Canada, uh-huh. you know we've taken a wrong turn somewhere. <laughs> right. And uh, all right, let's get into uh, into it a little bit. So, Alex Burroughs went nuts on Taylor Hall last night. A game you were calling uh, Jersey and uh, Senators, and 
he's he he actually he's going to get an in person hearing that he's he's waived that he doesn't want to show up. What exactly? Now I didn't watch the game. I just saw the highlights and I saw that. What happened to make him lose his mind? Well, I I think he was embarrassed because Taylor Hall just steamrolled him. It was a clean hit. You can you you can dissect that hit a hundred different ways, mm-hmm. and all you'll come up with is. That was a textbook shoulder-to-shoulder check. He knocked him right on his ass. And Burroughs got up, and I guess he wanted to go cross-check him because he mm-hmm. wasn't going to fight him. You know, Burroughs doesn't fight much, never has. And um, so he went up, and he cross-checked him a bit, and he was trying to engage him a little bit. Yeah. When he cross-checked him the third time, that was when he got a penalty. Then the whistle blew. Yep. And then he skated after him again, and Hall wanted nothing to do with it yeah. because – there's no reason for him to have anything to do with it. And so Burroughs jumped on his back and got him down on the ice, and he kneed him twice. Yeah, bad. And yeah. I think it is garbage. It's um, He embarrassed himself. He looked like a, a little kid that got his toy taken away, like he had a temper tantrum. Yeah. What happened? I hope he gets 10 games. Now, for the people that say um, Hall wasn't hurt, that's not the point. The point is this has nothing to do with the NHL. Not nothing. It's got nothing. It has nothing to do with hockey. He need the guy in the back of the head. And I think the reason he's waving the in-person hearing is because by the time he would be finished with it, he would look like Pinocchio. <laughs> he had nothing. Like yeah, there's all nothing. All he would have right. to do is just lie. Because what are you going to say? He did what? He provoked you how? There's, there's no, there's, yeah. there's no defense for it. I hope he gets ten. It, it was so bad to me. I think I thought there's maybe something else you were going to tell me. Something happened earlier in the game, or they've always hated each no, other, or something. Been, they okay. had Steve. They hadn't come across each other. Jeez. Yeah. And really? I got to tell you, yeah. Taylor Hall. I know Jersey lost last night. Yep. You know, good for Ottawa. Um, they don't win too much these days, but Matt Duchesne and Mike Hoffman were really good together. Colin White, who's a, yep. a U.S. Uh, World Junior star, um, got his first NHL goal, a beautiful goal last night. But Taylor Hall was unbelievable. Like, yep. I, I, he was so dominant last night. And, um, you know, it's been... You know, he's, he's now kind of the, the poster boy for the guys that have never made the playoffs. Last year it was Ron Hainsey yeah. who finally made it. True, right. Yeah. Taylor Hall's never been in the playoffs. Yeah, that's crazy. You're right. Yeah, I guess he hasn't. Yep. You know, yep. So he missed it every year in Edmonton. He gets traded, and then Edmonton makes the playoffs. Yeah. After a while, you start thinking it's you, even when it's not. <laughs> yeah. No, he's always been a max effort guy as far as his skating and everything to me, anyways, watching him, you know. Yeah, uh, you bet. He was terrific last night, though. I am not a fan of Burroughs. So throw I'm just I've never been a fan of Burroughs. I never liked the referee controversy in Vancouver. I never liked some of the things he did over the years. Yeah, not a fan. Don't know he the guy. He doesn't have too much. Doesn't have much support around the league. No, no, not at all. Um, listen, I keep reading about trading Eric Carlson. That's the dumbest thing ever. Sign him to whatever he wants. Is there is is this just media stuff? They can't really think they're going to get better by trading Eric Carlson. No, they're. They're not. They're not trading. Okay. Him. They're certainly not trading him right now. Um, I mean, how would they get better? They would get better by getting four, four players for Eric Carlson, or but not just. See, you can't just get. I got a buddy that calls these trades and uh, trades. Mm-hmm. You know, we got a first and, and a second <laughs> right. and a, and a. after a while, all the andas don't add up. You know, you need. You need significant assets back. The only way this is at all a decision is if the owner decides he doesn't want to pay Eric Carlson ten or eleven or twelve million dollars or whatever the hell it's going to be for eight years. That's that's the only way. But when I see Carlson now, he's totally disengaged from the game. Mm-hmm. He's had it this yep. year. He's yep. had it. Yep. He's had a crappy year. He's not healthy. Um, he's just he's had it, and and so. Um, you know, to to evaluate Carlson's game, right. if you want to, right now. I mean, this isn't it. It's you know, I. But they're not trading. I mean, yeah. Mike Hoffman, maybe. Yep. Zach Smith, yep, maybe. maybe. Yep. Gabriel Pajot, maybe. Mm-hmm. Cody Cece, maybe. See, I, I, I think I would look at the Senators 
some people say, well, look, they were in the Eastern Conference final last year. Like, they view that as the norm. Yeah, right. I, and this year is an outlier year. I think last year was an outlier year. And they're not, they're not this bad. Yeah. But they're not a hell of a lot they, better. They, last year, every one of their stats, Steve, team metrics, were all between 12 and 18. Yep. They were an average team. Yep. Yep. And, and they got hot, and they got great goaltending, and they went to the conference final. Um, but Craig Anderson's now 37. That's not going to happen again. They're rotating in goal, which I think is a good thing. But they need, they need to be aggressive, I think, in trying to make this team better. Sure, but not trading Carlson. Sign him for you know whatever he needs. Yes, down year. Or well, yeah, but yeah. he's got to want to sign. Like if, yeah. if you start offering him money and he tells you, no, nah, I'm not going to sign, I guess. then you've got to look at trading him. Well, publicly he you said he's good, you though. You can't let him go. Yeah. Oh, of course. Well, what's he going to do? Say, no, I'm not going? Well, It's just like yeah. a guy that no matter what player they ask during the season, who's up, you know, he's a free agent at the end of the year, the player always, always, always says, I'd love to come back. Of course he would. Yeah. He doesn't know if there's any other offers there, especially right. if he's having a crappy year. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to come back. Well, guess what? They might not like you back. <laughs> I, uh, as a guy who lived in Winnipeg trying to get an arena built, they were back then, just like Ottawa now, small market Canadian team, just like Ottawa, and the team who trade just made all the fans go, what the F? Like, wh- why? Why? Yeah. You know, and, and if you did yeah. Carlson, the one thing everyone hangs on and is proud of is this Eric Carlson guy. You trade him, you know, and you just forget it. It's 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 pack it up. So well, the the owner Eugene Melnick's been on some radio shows the past ten days trying to undo the damage of <laughs> oh he has really yeah uh, <laughs> that performance at the winter the outdoor game there and right so you know he's got to mend some fences and trading Eric Carlson right now is like starting a brush fire yeah. in your backyard. I just. I don't know how the media starts this stuff because you start reading one article, one, and then it starts. They all pick up from each other. Uh, somebody asks somebody, yeah, maybe you think they think about it, and they go, "Oh, maybe," and then pretty uh, soon that's the story, and then somebody yeah. picks up on it, and they write their version of the same Sorry. thing. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've probably been guilty of that too in, in my real job of covering motorcycle motorcycle racing. Um, hey, so uh, also too, my Toronto Maple Leafs uh, were rolling, and I was so looking forward to Saturday's game versus Boston. To uh, I think they would have pulled in within a point of Boston if they had won, and they were rolling and things were looking great. And they, I didn't get a chance to watch the game. I was in uh, Oakland, but they, by everything I read and everything I, I saw, they just got shut down. So Anaheim on Monday, you called the game. Was there a sense in, in people you talked to? Was there a sense of disappointment around Toronto that they kind of had a test and didn't go well? Yeah, I think so. But I also think it was massive overreaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, like. I, I don't generally put a whole lot of stock into what guys write in an opinion column mm-hmm. or write in an opinion blog or talk about in an opinion on the radio. And what I mean by that is it's just their opinion. Like, all of a sudden, there was this avalanche of talk that they don't match up well with the Bruins. They lost the game in February, mm-hmm. and they sucked. They were terrible. Matthews wasn't any good which doesn't happen very often. When he's not good, chances are Hyman and Nylander aren't going to have great nights either. Uh, Morgan Riley was back after six games. He didn't play particularly well. Mm -hmm. I don't think Freddie Anderson had a super game. And the Bruins are rolling along. Tukarask is 18-0-2. Yeah. So what, you know, in his last 20 starts. So this narrative that, you know, they don't match up well, if that's the case, if that's what you really feel, that means – you must think that Tuka Rask is never going to lose another game. Right, right. That, that this moment in time is the way it is. And, of course, that's garbage. It's hogwash. Because they're going to play in the playoffs unless something crazy happens. Mm-hmm. And then for two weeks, we'll find out if they match up well. I still think the Leafs will try and get a defenseman. Um, I, I don't see why not. I think they'll try and add a like a depth forward, a yeah, fourth-line fourth line center. I, you know, they don't, they don't seem to love Dom Moore very much. So that's what I think they're going to try to do. I don't think there's any great blockbuster yep. trade to 
alter the face of the franchise or alter the the look of this season. Yep. So they didn't have a good night. They played an entertaining as heck game, which of course that means the coaches hated it. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was it great. Was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> Lots of chances, and you know, yeah. I loved it. Top, I thought it was great. And the top line was fantastic for both teams, actually, for both teams. Like they yeah, were, they were, yeah, they yeah. were, they were great. Um, Matt Martin has been, I think, five games in a row now, six games. He's not made the lineup. Um, I'm awful. I'm oftentimes one of those guys that's bitching about the lineup, and you just tell me. Shut up. Do you think Mike Babcock, you know, he knows better than you do, which is 100% correct. But uh, in a little bit surprising to me that he didn't put Martin in after the loss to Boston. He did take Carrick out and put Polak back in. But, um, yeah, maybe he's embracing. Well, I, I you know, think, yeah. well, but the thing is he likes he likes the way that that fourth line plays. And as it turned out, Komarov scored a goal. The only way they can alter that line, in my opinion, to get um, – to get Martin back in yep. would be to move Palmer off to center because Kapanen's not coming out right, right now. Yep. And then put Martin in there. And maybe you know, maybe you do that against Anaheim, uh-huh. but there's got to be a reason to have Martin in the lineup. There's got to be somebody or something on the other side that you go, well, you got to take care of that or we're worried about that. And if it wasn't going to be Anaheim, yeah, who? <laughs> right? It's not going to be Nashville. No, no, it's, no. it's not Nashville. No, and so you know, I it, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough road here. I think for Matt Martin, I don't think he's going to play a lot. Yeah. Um, hey, something interesting I saw uh, reading the, the summaries and reading about the Ducks who came through Toronto was they are they leading the league in penalties? They're right up there, if not, and. They're all, Anaheim's always up there. Randy Carlisle's teams well, forever. That's what I'm getting to. Okay, yeah. so that's what I'm getting to. Like in Toronto, they were the same way, and in Anaheim, the yep. first time when Randy was there, they were the same way. And I don't, I don't understand the correlation. What is the coach telling these guys? It can't be a coincidence. So, what is the correlation in your mind, in your eyes? Like, well, correlation is Carlisle and the style he wants to play, and he likes big and tough. And the funny part is. That's not how Randy plays. No, not at all. (laughs) So a lot of times, I I would say more than we probably would think at first glance, you'll see a coach coaching a style that he didn't play. Maybe he wishes he was something else, or maybe he sees the game a little differently. I don't know, but Carlisle's teams have always been belligerent. They always have. Yeah, they were in Toronto, and he likes his knuckle-draggers. He's always had a couple of those guys around. Um, their farm team has a few of them around too, and um, that's yeah, that's just the way Carlisle constructs his roster. Yeah, it's just it's bizarre to me that I mean, I guess yeah, he just I don't know in, in this day and age of special specialty teams that you're just going to keep running that that philosophy out there, you know. But it's worked. Yeah, you want you want a cup, and you know teams. Well, get, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he won a cup in 2007. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, things have changed. You know, for sure. so like that. You know, I was in the Little League World Series in 1976, but the Red Sox aren't calling me to play second base. <laughs> Good point. Um, okay, so uh, also too Rangers. Uh, I saw this week and a half ago, or right after we did our last pod, or maybe I didn't get this in, but Larry Brooks reported that the Rangers are going to be very active at the deadline. This is now gathered full steam. Rick Nash has submitted his clubs that he will go to. Michael Grabner looks to be gone, and the this isn't a lost season for the Rangers either, but I guess uh, Jeff Gorton there is just the GM is just saying, "Hey, that's it. We're we're not good enough, so let's let's retool." Are you surprised at this? Uh, only in the sense that it takes pretty big, you know what, yeah. to make this deal, sure. to make this declaration. Right. I think it's the right move. I think it's bold. I think it's gutsy. But the one thing that Ever since I came out of Atlanta and that debacle that was the Thrashers, mm-hmm. the one thing that's always been clear to me, Steve, is that if you you have to have a plan, and when you get on that road, you have to follow that road. You can't be flip-flopping back and forth. Mm-hmm. So the Rangers have given this a solid run with this core group of players. And now they're at a point where they're an okay team. Yep. You know, they're in the middle of the pack, but they're not going to win. They're not good enough to get out of their division. Um, They might not even make the playoffs, even though they sit, I think, right now in a playoff spot. So they're saying, 
in order to go forward and be a real contender, we've got some assets that we can turn into more assets. These assets are probably on the decline. You know, is Michael Grabner going to score 25 goals for the next three or four years? Probably not. No. He's got six empty net goals this year. Rick Nash is getting up there a little bit. I saw him in the game against Toronto. He was by far the best ranger mm-hmm. on the ice. wasn't even close. Ryan McDonough's got one year left at 4.75. Are you going to sign him for six or seven years at $7 million? Maybe they do not. Yeah. So they're like, you know what? Now's the time to make some really proactive moves. Then the only thing is you better make the right moves. I mean, that's yeah. where the pressure really yeah. falls on the GM. But my point is they're on this road. It started last year when they traded Derek Stepan for – uh, to move up in the draft. Mm-hmm. So they've already started doing it. Yep. Now this is just a collective that we all notice. I, yep. I think it's bold, and I, I yeah. like it. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, the three points out as they sit today, as we record today, but uh, obviously, yeah, they've got some games in hand and stuff. So, yeah, it's, it is bold. And like you said, you've got to make the right moves when you do it, right? Um, and if you're. Yeah, but sitting, sitting here is no good either. Nope. Yeah, being in that middle class, right? Yeah, you're still, you know, if. You're standing in the same water. Yeah. Like, you, you know, it just, it's not going to get better. Their defense isn't going to get better constructed the way it is. Maybe they can move Nash and get parts of either draft picks or a young, a young D that can step in and pull. Like, who knows what it is? Yeah. But they're not strong in the middle. Not yet. They've got a couple of prospects that they really like. And uh, Philip Cheadle who is a Czech player at the World Junior Tournament, very, very good player. And Leas Anderson, the Swedish kid that tossed his medal in the stands. Yeah. Those are, those are two Ranger center ice prospects that probably aren't that far away. But you got to think, if they come in and play, they're going to take a step backward while these kids get acclimatized to the league. Mm-hmm. So you've got to build your roster around what's going to be the core. You can't have these parts that are... Some are 37 and some are 21 and some are 29. Like, it doesn't work that way. You've got to pick an age group, I think, and try and build around it if you think you've got some really good pieces. Exhibit A of changing a plan, the Florida Panthers, right? The exhibit A of flip-flopping and not quite knowing what you're doing and look where they're well, at, right? No, I like, mean, you yeah. get caught with your pants down three years in a row, Yeah. right? Yep. So you're like, everyone thinks they should be better, but mm-hmm. they're driving in a circle. It's like... Uh, Chevy Chase in European Vacation. There's Big Ben Parliament. Hey, kids. There it is again, kids. I can't get off. I can't get left. Yeah. Um, hey, the goalie interference rule. So now we had the All-Star game. We ta- we've we been talking about this for a number of shows. We had the All-Star game, and the NHL came out and said they're going to be a little more lenient and let some goals stand. Well, Boston and St. Louis had a debacle. I guess Florida had a debacle. Oh. It's... It's now gone the other way, Ray. It's now gone the other way, and I don't know anymore. I don't know. What's well, the, what the... this is what I think needs to happen, and I don't know if they can do it now, but in the off season, for sure, it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. So the general managers really play a big part in how the rules are, are structured. That's mm-hmm. the competition committee. Yep. But there should be representatives from the officials, the general managers and the players, and take a look, put them, have a conference for five days and make it at a really nice place so the guys will go. Have a couple of ex-officials, like have Bill McCreary, who's a, uh, who's a supervisor. Mm-hmm. Have him there. Have Kerry Fraser there. Have a couple of your top-end officials now, Wes McCauley, for example. Have them, um, Brad Watson, veteran guys. Put them in a room with a couple of representatives of the players and a four or five general managers and reconstruct the rule. Because what happens is now everything gets added on. And, you know, here's another, you know, an, another scenario that gets added on to the previous 14 scenario. Right, right. Pretty soon nobody knows what the heck is going on. Yeah. It's like that guy driving up the exit ramp at the airport. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right? So yeah. that that's what I think needs to happen because right now it's not salvageable. Under its current form, oh boy. it's a yeah. mess fixed with another mess. Yep. You know what it is? It's that Eagles fan eating the horse crap. Oh, uh, I did not click on that. I didn't I heard about it. I did not want to see that. That's what it is. That's what that <laughs> rule is. It's an, it's the Eagles fan eating the horse crap. <laughs> 
Oh man, that was bad. By the way. Um, hey, well, what about? Imagine what his stomach is like. Oh God. Uh, a couple of things. What about taking it away from the referees uh, who who do it on a small little iPad? Uh, they review it and moving it to the to the control, situation room in in, uh, in the NHL. And what about the international rule, which you've called a lot of international games? If you're in the blue paint, whistle goes, face off in the neutral zone. Any one of those yeah, so, two? Yeah. Um, here's the thing, though. I don't think people understand the international rule because they they equate that to Brett Hull and the toe in the crease. That's not the way the rule is. You can go in the crease if the puck's there. Mm-hmm. If there's a scramble, you can yeah. go in there and fight like hell to get the puck. Yep. What you can't do is go into the crease and post up in the crease. As yeah. soon as you stop and your feet are in the crease, they blow the whistle. And what's great about that rule, in my opinion, a couple of things. One is they have thousands, literally thousands, of examples to take a look at how that rule would work. So they don't have to guess. Gee, I wonder how it's going to work. Yeah. No, they know. That's number one. Number two is the players learn in a hurry that, look, I've just fought so hard to get to the front of the net, and now because I'm a dummy, I'm standing in the blue paint, now the face-off goes outside the blue line. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that anymore. And by having that rule, a lot of plays that haven't really developed into goalie interference get blown dead before the problem's already there. Yeah. So I really like it a lot. So the international rule, uh, sorry, McDavid's goal counts. He's going for the puck. It's in there. The overtime goal that got whistled down last week. He's uh, that counts. Not necessarily oh. because he ended up running right into the goalie. True. So that would be that would be under review. Okay. And you would have to determine did the goalie have a chance to stop the puck, yep. or did, when he hit him when he made contact. Did he get spun out of control? Yeah. In my world, that counts, but that would be under that would be subject to to review. As far as the review itself, yep. one of the biggest problems, in my opinion, is that when they call back to Toronto, they're talking to representatives of the league. I think there should be retired officials, supervisor officials, that they're talking to. Mm-hmm. They're the ones. They're the ones that would be able to. I think have confidence to talk back and forth because when you think of it, the referee is calling the league and he's talking to his boss. Yeah. And his boss thinks it's official or thinks it should be a change or goalie interference or take the goal away. It's pretty hard for that ref to go, now, you know what, boss, good one, but I'm going to stand here Mm -hmm. and going to stand my ground. Right. I I see. They should be talking to an official back there. Right. Again, that's my view. Yep. Yeah, it's a man. It's it's such a topic right now. I don't even. It's like the NFL catch rule, and we have a couple instances in the Super Bowl. Oh, and that yeah, thing's a, and that thing's a pile of crap oh, too. It is. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You know, like by I thought, like a lot of people, hey, interfere or reviews are great mm-hmm. when they start. Then of course, things get added. Addendums get added. <laughs> right. Now we're looking at other things. Now we're looking at more things. Yeah. Now we're slowing it down and slowing it down. I think the the officials should be able to look at the review, but it's got to be in real time. Yep. And if you can't tell in real time, then probably there's not enough to detect interference yep. in 95% of the cases. The one thing I will say, you know, the view has been, or the, you know, the selling point has been, you know, we're going to get the call right every time. Well, you don't. Yeah. You can't. Yep. It's not going to be every time whether we got review or not. As you know, I'm a I'm a big baseball fan. I can't believe how often they review that stolen base at second base. Did he get tagged? Yeah. And you look at it ten times. And by the way, you're starting to change your mind even after you watch it. <laughs> oh, I think he got him. No, he didn't. Yeah. Maybe he did. And then at the end of the day, you, the official decision comes, and man, those guys are right ninety nine percent of the yeah. time. But they have a bit of an issue, too, with the replay, because if the guy pops off, if you can s- slide a piece of paper between his foot and the base. Yeah, but see, that's another, that's just the same as the hockey yeah, rule. Yeah, no, yep, yep. That's an addendum that goes on to right. the rule. Mm-hmm. And if you can't tell in fast motion, in real time, shouldn't shouldn't be. Right, yep. No, it, it, exactly, you're right. It's, they pile it on. <laughs> You've said it right perfectly, I think. Uh, and try not to take away goals. 
Try to not take away offense. That's, I think, your standing rule in this podcast, Ray. Try not to do that. Let's, let's, let's not. Look, the game was 7-4 in Toronto on Monday night, or 6-4. I don't even six, forget what yep. it ended up. Yep. And then um, last night was, was 5-3. Like, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Hey, goals. People were cheering. Yep. Isn't that good? Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, next topic. Uh, the other day, Chicago Blackhawks had a 16% chance of making the playoffs. Right now, as we record this, they sit seven points out. I predict if, if they miss, Quenville is gone. There's always seems to be tension and weirdness with the front office and this legendary coach that has won all these cups. But uh, it's yeah, it's uh, it's going to be weird if the Blackhawks don't make it, and they don't look good right now, right? No, they don't. I mean, years and years of walking on the wire here as they right. deconstruct their roster due to salary cap stuff. I mean, eventually it just catches up, right? Like, mm-hmm. yep. The way the way it goes. So, if missing the playoffs puts the pressure on Stan Bowman, the general manager, to fire Joel Quenville, if if that's what he feels, then he's going to go ahead and make that deal. Yep. Right. They need a change, but what do they need to change? Is it Joel? I don't think so. I think Joel's a hell of a coach. He's one of the best coaches in the league. Mm-hmm. If Joel gets fired, he'll be hired as fast as he wants to be hired. But. Something's got to change. What are you going to change? You can't change the players. They're locked into Taves and Kane and Seabrook and Keith and Anisimov, like your big contracts. You're locked into them. So what's going to change? Yeah. There's very uh, few things they can change. The one thing that would happen, missing the playoffs, they're likely to get a draft pick in in an atmosphere that they don't normally draft in. If only they, so maybe yeah. they get maybe they get a high end player, somebody that they, they that's not available to them um, most other times. Uh, Stan Bowman's done a good job, like you said, of walking that wire over the years with salary cap issues and things like that. But the Panarin trade is one he'd probably want back at this point in February of yeah, the next I, year. I, yeah, you know, I yeah. know they they sold that as tougher um, and meaner, you know, and yeah, yeah. And all of that, and also because Panarin was going to, you know, was do a big raise, and again, they don't have the cap space, and they had a certainty of Brandon Saad's uh, dollar value because he was already signed. But that's what the salary cap, for those that like the salary cap, take a look at what it's done to Chicago. Now, the cap's not going anywhere, and eventually you become a victim of your own success. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what's happened. They. You know, Kane and Panarin were amazing together. And now Panarin's struggling in Columbus a little bit, and Kane's playing with Nick Schmaltz and Vinny Henestrosa and all these young guys that are just getting their feet wet. Mm-hmm. And so, they're, you know, you can, you know, you can point the figure at the coaching staff, um, but eventually the players just aren't as good. Don't you feel like that, that Q will be gone if they miss? Just with, he shouldn't be. I agree with you. But something's weird with that front office. They let Mike Kitchen go, his longtime assistant. I just, I feel like Q's out of there. I, I would, I would, I, I'm not that certain. Okay, it, but right. I, I, I would, I, I, I would guess they would consider it. Right, right. Well, you're the expert on this show, right? No. But I mean, it's just a, no. But I mean, yep. and to do it would be just to change the record, try something different. Yep. Um, Gary Bettman, commissioner of the NHL, celebrated his 25th year as commissioner. A lot of articles praising him. I'm not so sure when you lose a whole season with your uh, with your collective bargaining agreement, you can't come to an agreement with your with your athletes. I'm not so sure you should be pra- praised ever. Same as Bud Selig, he lost the World Series. You can't praise them. You can't. But three work stoppages, 25 years. The the revenue of the game is is grown tremendously. But Ray, for me. Um, it, it's a sign of the times, not Gary Bettman. It's a sign of changing TV habits. It's a sign of live sports, you know, being the place to uh, to watch now and to get money. Um, your thoughts, Ray, on Gary Bettman's twenty five years? Well, I'm, you know, I'm I'm certainly, uh, you know, I can take a look at it now a little differently than I did when I played. Right. When I played, and we missed half a year because don't forget they missed one full year, but we also missed a half a year. With another lockout. Yep, three. I mean, three Gary's work stoppages. Not, yep, three. Yeah, Gary, Gary's not my favorite. 
when I'm playing. Yeah. You know, I'm like, like this is ridiculous. Right. Right. Like, you know, I just for for obvious reasons, I you know, I lost half a season of cost, my career. Cost you some money too. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, it cost me money, but I also lost a half a season of my career. Yeah. So, but from the owner's standpoint, I can see why they they like what Gary's doing. I mean, they just got a half a million, half a billion dollars for a for an expansion team. Mm-hmm. Um, the revenues have grown, and you can say some of it is just happenstance because things have changed. But yep. also, it was under his watch. What I don't think he's done a good enough job at is. The areas that have needed attention on the ice, the product, mm-hmm. I think he's been detached from that. Um, he'll say, you know, you hire good people and you let good people do their job. Yeah. When you're the commissioner and you have an embarrassment, for example, of what's going on here, you got to step in. And if you don't understand the rule enough, you know, like if he does, if he's not comfortable enough saying, yeah. hey, we got to get towards this. What has to be directed is, okay, this is happening way too often. It's making our sport look ridiculous. Fix it. And I think yeah. there's, been, there's been three or four occasions where that's been the case. When the league was dragging their feet about these hits to the head, and they were making these minute changes. Oh, it's a hit from the side. The side's okay. As long as, you know, like the blind side. And, like, at some point, Gary had to step in there as the commissioner and say, this is bad for our game. Because it's not just about money, because the money will follow the product. And and my biggest complaint has been that he has been too disassociated with the with the on ice product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess he would say, "Hey, I've got Colin Campbell. I've got these guys to do that." But like you said, you're still ultimately well, that's, it stops that's at fine. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's fine. But you know, I, I mean, and lots of CEOs let their guys do their thing, but eventually you're at the top of the chain. It's just like firing a general manager because their draft record is poor. The general manager doesn't make the draft. The head of scouting does. The yeah. scouting department does. But his yeah. name's on the top of the letterhead. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I, I just I, – I don't know how you can – you know, you have you you fought for this salary cap. You finally got it. The cost of an entire season, and then you also have another lockout because you can't simply agree to, to the percent. Like, I think it's disgraceful that that the NHL has had all these labor issues. I just I, I don't know. And some and again, that's the owners, but Gary's the top of it. You know, so I'm. Not, I, but he brought the Jets back. That was cool. I didn't think that would ever happen. I mean, there's, it's it's not. You can't look at his 25 years. Um, in my opinion with any real clarity. There is such mm-hmm. confliction about the business side versus the hockey side. Yeah. The, you know, uh, the Nordiques left and the Jets left. Oh, the Jets are back. Yeah. You know, like everything is a, there's a to and fro with all of it. And it's probably that way with most commissioners, but mm-hmm. I, I would say one thing, you know, you know, in the public opinion poll, Gary doesn't endear himself to any of the fans ever. No. And and I don't think he really cares. I mean, I'm sure he, everybody yeah. wants to be liked, yeah. but yeah. I'm sure he views it as, hey, look, this is my job. It's what I got to do, and this is the way it is. Yep. Uh, all right, moving on from that. Um, so we had Ryan Rashog on a couple weeks ago to talk about the Oilers, and uh, he had some great thoughts. And last week, I believe, he tweeted that Al Montoya of the Oilers doesn't speak on game days. Uh, it's something that I'd say a lot of goalies do, or, or they used to anyways. I'm not exactly sure. And Ryan's point was, uh, you know, it's not going to hurt you to, to, to speak a little bit to the media. You backed him up on Twitter. Uh, a lot of people did not feel that way. I'm with you. I'm on the side of your. I, I mean, I work in the media as, as a profession, so maybe I'm a, slight, a tad biased. What was the fallout from all of that, Ray? And did you did you, you still think that way and, and all that? Well, yeah, of course I think that way. I mean, I okay. Yeah, I don't know if, if something changed. No, like I, I, don't, I don't really give a damn if he gets mad at me or not. I mean, it's five minutes in the morning. Jesus, like, right. are you are you focused so much five minutes in the morning? Right. You mean to tell me when he leaves the rink, he doesn't go home and watch TV for thirty minutes mm-hmm. while he's cooking his pregame, or watch a show before his nap, or? text a couple of his buddies yeah. or 
You mean like it's just game? What's he do? Go home and watch game film all day? It's bogus. <laughs> right. It's at 10 in the morning. Give five minutes of answers, mm-hmm. not 10. Yep. Say, look, hey, guys, I got five minutes here. Yep. Answer, answer five questions and leave. Yeah. There you go. Finished. It's not that big a deal. The, the fact of the matter is everything is a, it revolves on game day around getting ready. Everything you do. But there are times when you're not thinking about the game. Yeah. You're just fooling around. You're killing time. The Players Association, in, in my opinion, has dropped the ball here. Um, I, I think, I think they, they need to tell the players, look, you've got to be available in the morning, five mm-hmm. minutes each, off you go. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get any earth-shattering quotes in that five minutes, no. but still, but still, but, yeah. Like, yeah. like some people, some people say, you know, like, like one guy tweeted in, and he's like, if that's the way you're doing your prep for the game, you need to rethink the way you prepare. Well, what's a TV person going to do without a quote, mm-hmm. without a visual quote? Put up a put up a graph, <laughs> right. put up a, a speech board, you know, like a quote board. No, you need somebody talking. That's, yeah. So you just do it. You just do it. And it's like, and you got the PR guys are standing there, and they're like, "Okay, guys, one more question. That's it." Yeah. They cut it off at five minutes. It's, yeah. yeah. It is, especially with the goalies. The goalies, they're finicky little souls. Wow. The goalies. I was going to say your your buddy Noodles, uh, he sided with. Oh, I know. Yeah. They're, but of course he did because <laughs> that's the way goalies are. Right. Like, seriously. So me, I could talk for ten or fifteen minutes. I didn't care. It wasn't going to bother me. But some days I had to get going, and I'm like, okay, guys, i got to go. Yeah. But if your PR guy is there and he's standing by the goalie, at the five-minute mark, he yeah. says, last question. Yeah. And if the media gets pissed about that, too bad. Yeah. It's five minutes. Right. Yeah, I, I don't really get it either. I don't understand how it's, it's – you're Al Montoya. You're not – there's not a ton of demand for you every single day where you need to, you know, not talk or whatever. It's, it's not Connor McDavid here. Just – yeah, give give somebody an insight into into what your thoughts about the game, and the opponent, and whatever, and move on. It's it's weird. You see that in baseball too a lot, where the foreign born players don't do interviews, and then the the beat guys are saying, "Yeah, he totally understands English." You know, he, he laughs and jokes with his oh. teammates all of them. You're like, "What?" Ilya Kovalchuk used to not do interviews in his first year, and then he'd say, "Okay, guys, let's go for sushi." Yeah, right, exactly. So he just didn't want to do them, and I'm like, no. Oh. Yeah. Fine. We kind of thought it was funny, actually, but yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's. Cool. I mean, it's, I yeah. guess it's. I, I guess it's kind of rude. But he was 18 years old, and he's like, "Man, I don't want to be under the grill all the time." Yeah, the 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 the, the spotlight of the Atlanta Thrashers beat reporters. <laughs> Two guys. <laughs> well, as it turned out, everywhere Kobe went, there was there was traffic. Yeah, I guess. True. You know, you know I mean, I, look, I don't think it's a big deal to do to do any. Mm-hmm. Five or ten minutes on a game day. I, re- I really don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Um, I think it's a little. I think it's a little bogus. Are there a lot of guys that do that that you know of? Is this something that's more no. co- common than we know? No, I don't think so. I. No. I think most guys are all right. I mean, yep. some guys don't like to do it. They're not. You know, they're not crazy about doing it anyway. But yeah, just do it. You yeah. know, it, right. It's it's good in the long run for everybody. Right. Do you feel like Rashog shouldn't have tweeted that out? Like some people said. Some people didn't think he should have tweeted that out or, or made that public. Because now what, Mon- did Montoya didn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, because now Montoya is going to be like, "Yeah, screw you," you know. That's right, and so and here's the other thing. Like, really, what what Ryan could have said is, "Okay, I'll ask you a question the next time you start, mm-hmm. whenever that is." Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> like, uh, there's a little bit of get over yourself here. Yeah, you know, like, yep. for for most players, like, it's again, it's easier when you're out of the game. Like, I can look and go, guys, just relax, do the do the interview, do the, you know, yep. do the little PR thing they want you to do. It's not that big a deal. But I know in this season when you're playing, and um, sometimes it just it grinds your gears. You're like, I got to do enough. Come on, I want to get the hell out of here. You were like right? that. You were like that as a player. It's hard to believe. Sure, yeah. sometimes. Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Some days you just want to get going. I'm like, I don't want to sit around here and talk to these guys. I want to get going. 
All right, Ray. Uh, by the way, before we get into the, some uh, some Twitter questions directed to you, congratulations. You are number 94 on the Hockey News peop- po- list of people of power and influence. 94, Ray. Climb it up. Kind of nice. Yeah. Kind of nice. Kind of nice to be, um, I don't know what the word is. Recognized? Kind of nice to be known. Yeah. Recognized, yeah. I guess. I didn't make it, I guess, for being the host of this. It's very yeah. sad news. Yeah. I'm not trying to get on the list. It's kind of nice that they think so. Yeah, they compared you to Tony Romo, uh, who's taking the NFL color analyst job by storm. Uh, quite frankly, they should compare Tony Romo to me. I've been doing this longer. <laughs> right, right. That's a good point. Uh, how was the Super Bowl for you? Did you get a chance to watch? Did you? Oh, yeah. I, wa- yeah. I watched three quarters because then Riley had uh, soccer. Uh-huh. We had it on tape. So we missed the fourth quarter, watched it later. Um, what a wild, oh, great. crazy. Yeah. And... Um, I'd love to know the story about what happened. Malcolm uh, Butler. Yeah, Malcolm Butler. Butler. Yeah. Yeah, like I'd love to know that because it's not like – like what I heard he was on the field for 95% of the plays this yeah. year. Yep. I'm like, what the hell could he have done? <laughs> football decision, Ray. Football decision. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it was a football decision they told him before the anthem. That's yeah. bogus. Yeah. And it looked good on a guy that is so arrogant Yeah. to get it. Stuffed in his mouth. Yeah, that's because, true. Yeah. And then, and then he can't even come up with an explanation. Because, by the way, the Eagles threw forty on you. Yeah, and they yeah. and they were passing the ball all over the field. Yeah, maybe, maybe your cornerback might have helped you. Right, maybe. Yeah, it's. I read that the theory was they told him he was going to be in a rotation and he, or the, 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 somebody had heard he was going to be in a rotation more than he was used to and he flipped out. And they said, okay, you're done. You're not even playing. Which is, I'm with you, 97% of the plays. Well, okay, and, so if he know. did flip out, tell him, get your shit together mm-hmm. and I'll be back here in five plays to see if you want to play today. Yeah. And then walk away. Yeah. He'll suck it up. He wants to play. It's a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. It's bogus. And then that, I don't know if you saw the video of Foles going over to Doug Peterson when they were at the goal line. No. And he says to him, like they're going to decide what they're going to do. And Foles goes over and goes, Philly, Philly? And and he's like, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Hold that, on, hold on. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, wow. Okay. That was the throw. And then that was yeah. the trick play. Wow. It was awesome. Like to Just think of like, the guy was a punching bag when he came in when when Wentz got hurt, they're like, "Oh, now we got, oh yeah, we got this guy, and he did, and he was fantastic. Good for him." Yep, I watched. Uh, I'm a Raider fan, so I watched the, the the game on Christmas Day. He was terrible, absolutely terrible, Awful. and he got roasted the next day. And then look what happened. You know, he guy won the Super Bowl. Well, don't forget too, he, he sucked on Christmas Day. I, I think that was his second start, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. second or third. You know, yeah. So, he played, yeah, he played a little bit, and yeah, I don't know. He's not. <laughs> Put it this way: Now he can walk around and go, "I'm a Super Bowl champion." Yeah. The rest of you guys yeah. can go to hell. Yeah. Yeah. How about the 600 yards of offense? The first team to ever lose with 600 yards of total offense. Your New England Patriots, everybody. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I love I love the fact that you know people were, you know, can Brady still do it? Can he? Uh, that's yep. a yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, and he's missing his two receivers. Cooks went in for a concussion, and uh, of course Edelman was out for the year. And yeah, still I can throw on you guys. Um, yeah, I might I might retire from from full time working Ray because I won almost six hundred dollars on all my props. I won every single prop ticket I put put money on. It was fantastic. <laughs> one one year we were in L.A. and we had we had a couple of days off, and so like six or seven of us went to to Vegas like. In the week before the Super Bowl, uh-huh. and we were like kids in a candy store, just sitting there and staring at the props. Yeah, and we were betting on everything: how long is the anthem, the coin flip, <laughs> everything. The, yeah. Oh, it was just ridiculous. Yeah. And and I I remember somebody goes like, as soon as the coin flip went, somebody goes, "Man, I'm down three hundred bucks already." Like the game hadn't even started. Right. Probably Edzo was one of those guys. I would imagine. Oh, uh, there was there was a pretty good crew there. We uh, yeah. We enjoyed, we enjoyed the Super Bowl. I took the over on all the like offensive props, so like you can see how that all paid off. I yeah. just yeah. win, 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 yeah. win, win. Uh, all right, let's get to some Twitter questions from uh, you people, your listeners. Thanks again, again for listening and submit, submitting the questions. All right, Todd Holman says, 
Ray, view Vegas not as an expansion team at the deadline. What do they need to add to win it all? Just go for it. Opportunities like this don't come every year. They've got a James Neal, David Perron, a couple of UFAs that for sure they thought they would flip by now. Um, but I don't know. What do you do, Ray? I don't do much. <laughs> I'm, uh, uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not selling. I'm not really buying. Um, you know, I mean, you're not going to go. You're not going to go and blow out some of your prospects here. <clears throat> excuse me, to try and get a top end defenseman. Mm-hmm. Like you're just not going to do that because I would say you got to be careful that like everything has gone pretty well right for them this year. So you have to think there's some regression next year yep. because there always is. Yeah. And so if you go and knock out a couple of draft picks here, then you, they don't really have a system yet. Like, you know, you got to remember this. They were signing guys and a lot of guys signed one year deals, uh, not just in Vegas, but in their, in their, in the minors. Um, they've got a, you know, they drafted a bunch of 18 year olds next year. None of them are in pro hockey. So those guys aren't even in their system, really. And so I, I can't see them being aggressive with those guys and going ahead and, and, making, um, and making moves involving those types of picks and things. I just, I just don't see it. Yep. My wife was so excited you were doing the NBC Knights Wild game. You were going to get to see her glorious Knights in person, and they got blown. Yeah, they fell flat on their face that <laughs> night. They had nothing. They just yeah. – it, it was just one of those days. I mean, like – I said it during the game. There's, there's, there's always games in a season where you just, you just take them and throw them in the garbage can, and yep. that was one of them. Uh, just as Danke says, uh, not a question, but a plea for you, Ray, to get together as many people as possible and write the Thrasher's book. <laughs> so, oh, we've talked about it, and I've got, um, I've got a little bit of a rough copy going, and, oh, and okay. it, it may appear. Yep, it may yep. appear. Uh, people love the Andrew Burnett stories that were on this show last year. Yeah, I mean, it up. Yep. honestly, there's, it, like, you, you can't, you can't even really believe it unless you were there. Audrey's too. Jeff Audrey's told some stories that were unbelievable. Yeah, just, there's, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like it's almost endless. You'd think we were there for twenty years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Josh says, uh, uh, ask Ray for his thoughts on why NBA players make it a must-go-to event in the All-Star Weekend, where the NHL guys want nothing to do with it, and how the NHL can make it more of an event like the NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, yeah, Ray, the he's got a point. The NBA guys, they even if they don't make the game, you go to it. You know what I mean? The parties and hanging out and everything else. Um, and the NHL guys are like, Jonathan Quick's like, nah, I'm good. Other guys are like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know the reason why that is or why it would be or why, um, you know, why the... NBA guys love it so much. You know, I I just don't I don't know I don't it, it's always kind of been that way for the for the players most years. I mean, this year was a little different, but most years the guys are like, man, I the last place I want to do or last place I want to be is anywhere near a hockey rink. I want to go somewhere warm. Yeah, want to get the heck out of here. And that's the way the NHL guys think about it. The, the yeah. NBA guys, obviously not. Yeah. They, you know, I, I. But I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how you would change it like that. I do. I mean, the the game itself is, nah, whatever. It's the game. Yeah. But that that whole thing is there, of course, for the sponsors, yeah. and and for the fans in the local city. And so, whatever you can do to make it more entertaining, I'm all for that. Yeah. I I wish they would make it more merit based. I mean, there were years back in the day where. Teams did not have an all-star representative. They put the yeah. They took I think this is players. goofy now. Yep. I think it's goofy. And the, the other and the extension of that, I can't believe players get an all-star bonus for making the team because in some cases, guys make the team because they need a defenseman. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Right. And, you know, and, and you're like, well, that's kind of bogus. Yeah. 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 No, I remember like when I was being a Maple Leaf fan, like we had some years where we didn't have anybody. Nobody went. Lots of years yeah. because the Leafs sucked. All right, Ray, yeah, I got it. Uh, all right, uh, next question from Albert Pascuzzi. With the odds of making the NHL being so low, why do you think we see a lot of former NHLer kids making it? Is it name recognition, DNA, or is it because they learn what it takes to make it or a mix of all three? And I don't know, Ray. Albert's got a point in that the last five, six years, there are, or maybe it's just that we're getting older and that's it, but man, has there been a ton of kids of NHLers now flooding the league. Uh, there is, um, well, genetics play a part, right? Yep, yep. I mean, you're, 
there's one of it. Um, two is that hockey's not a cheap sport. Um, if you're going to be trained um, and to get, have the best opportunity to learn, it costs money. And most pro athletes have some money or, you know, more than average folk, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's number two. You also have access to to knowing which – or not access. You, you also have the knowledge of knowing which – which training is probably most beneficial. Yep. And so, well, some parents, they, man, they try hard and they do the best they can and they try to decipher which is the best coaches or which is the best road to take. They don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll use this for an example. My, my son, my 11-year-old, he's a pretty good little soccer player. Mm-hmm. But Cammie and I are learning minor soccer yep. the way most parents or hockey parents learn minor hockey. Yeah. We don't know. Like, is this the right place? Is this the right coaches? Or is, is he doing enough training? Is he doing too much? Is he like, we don't know. We're just, we're learning as we go. And, you know, we can rely on, you know, our athletic background to, to maybe have a sense, but I, I would say that's an, an advantage mm-hmm. um, a, a pro athlete has as they're trying to figure out what can be a pretty confusing road. You talk about genetics a little bit, like with Landon, just, I mean, did you immediately see something where he's like, oh, this kid, not only does he love the game and he wants to play all the time, was Landon really good right away? Um, he was pretty good. I would yeah. say when he was 11 or 12 or 13, I was like, nah, you know what, there's something there. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like he's right, right. He's faster, he's, you know, he's determined, mm-hmm. he's, he's just good. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and so I, I think that's probably the same – kind of age area where, you know, where people start to go, oh, you know, maybe, maybe. maybe my kid is actually pretty good at this. Right. Uh, from cost to the great. Hey, Ray, what is a bigger need on a team? I guess, what would you choose? Let's go that way, Ray. A number one D-man who plays 25 minutes a game and drives offense or a big one number man, number one 200-foot center? Oh, I want the defenseman all the time. Play really? half the game. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he plays half the game. The other guy's going to play 20 minutes tops. You know, so, yeah, I'll take the defenseman every time. You can, you know, Connor McDavid, I mean, if Connor McDavid's there, great. Yep. I pick Connor McDavid. But in most cases, if you're asking, do I take a, tum- a number one center or mm-hmm. Drew Doughty or Victor yep. Hedman, I'm yep. taking those guys. Unless it's iconic guy like Mario or, or McDavid. Well, or, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yep. Like, that's, that, that, that can't be in the equation because those guys happen once, never. Yeah, it's <laughs> a good point. Um, I could ask you about this, how do you rebuild Montreal, Ottawa, or Edmonton, but we don't have enough time for that. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, all right, let's get into uh, Ray's random NHLer. Uh, somebody asked, who's the hardest goalie for you to score on? It's Dominic Hasek. You've answered that many times. Yeah. Hasek was your, was your nemesis. Um, Ray's random NHLer, Hawk and Lube. Didn't play a lot against him. He had a helmet that was... <laughs> Right. Really ugly. <laughs> what was that? Jofa? That was a Jofa, right? It was a Jofa. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. kinda like a it was kinda like a, a domed stadium. <laughs> it was brutal. But he Hawken was slick. He could score. Um he was really solid, strong on the puck. And in Calgary, they had all these giants around him. Yeah. And there was Hawken zipping all over the place. And he was a very, very good player. You didn't nobody you know, remember the game was a little different then, but nobody was giving him too much crap because Calgary had Tim Hunter and Jim Paplinski and Joel Otto. You know, yeah. Joel Otto, like there was enough guys wandering around there that you yeah. know, Hawken was able to breathe pretty freely. He was a very, very good player. Did you ever play against Kent Nielsen, or was he gone by then? Oh yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Magical people. I, mean, talk I know about his nickname. Kent, yeah, I know he was the Magic Man, but my goodness, people talk about Kent game. Nielsen like just being. If he was motivated like a Wayne or, or somebody like that, that he could have been so good. You know, he was an amazing player, like amazing. He, yeah, his skill was his skill was like today's skill. Right, right, right. Um, all right, well, we're done. Uh, thanks everybody for submitting the questions. Popaki dot com. Uh, download it. Ray, you're off to South Korea. It's going to be a great yep. tournament. I'm very excited to uh, to watch it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going. We go Saturday, uh, get there Sunday, and um, uh, maybe we'll bang out a 
couple of 15 little 15 minute vignettes if we can figure out the time zone yeah but, you, you uh, told me your schedule it sounds gnarly yeah, it sounds intense yeah it's a we're going to be busy, but um, we'll try and bank something off and uh, hope everybody enjoys the tournament. I think it's going to be interesting, and um, I think it's going to be kind of cool. We're really looking forward to getting it going. I, I can't wait. It's going to be great. Do you, what do you have for the flight over? Did you download something yet? Do you have something no, saved? No, not yet. Okay. Not yet. I'll, uh, I'll be getting my uh, – got to catch up one season of Peaky Blinders. And uh, so I'll be getting into that. That'll be season four that I get to catch up on. Well, there you go. Well, thanks for the time. Uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, appreciate the downloads and the listens and everything else. And, Ray, good luck over in South Korea. And thanks for doing this, man. You betcha. Thanks, everybody. Uh, enjoy it. Steve, thanks. And we'll, uh, we'll get back at it.